It's Friday, and it's 6 o'clock, and it's time for the Nonstop Audio Pod podcast with your host, Kevin. We present Peter Cook as Paul Temple and Marjorie Westbury as Steve in Paul Temple and the Lawrence Affair, a serial by Francis Durbridge. Paul Temple and the Lawrence Affair, Episode 2, Salty West. What made you come up to town so early, Mary? A man called Bristow telephoned yesterday morning, said he wanted to see me. He asked me if I could see him this morning at 11 o'clock. Bristow? Yes. I believe they're a firm of solicitors. Bristow, Thompson... Bristow, Thompson and Cartwright. Yes. Do you know them, Mr Temple? Mm, I've heard of them. They're a very good firm. Harrogate Buildings, Lincoln's Inn. That's right. What do they want to see you about, Mary? Do you know? I haven't the slightest idea. Is it something to do with Bob? I don't know. All I do know is I feel worried. I don't like the idea of seeing a solicitor, especially in London. Is that why you wanted to see my husband? Oh, no. I, uh, I found this letter yesterday afternoon in an old deed box. It's addressed to you, Mr. Temple. To me? Yes, I, I think Bob must have written it just before the accident. Oh, thank you. What does it say, Paul? Dear Mr. Temple, I wonder if you remember our conversation about the little things that later become so important. I have a feeling that this name and address is going to be one of those little things. What name and address? Mr. Clive Lawrence, Hotel Steinbock, Zermatt. But, Paul, that's the name and address. Steve, please, just a moment. Mary, have you heard this name, Clive Lawrence, before? Why, no. Your brother never mentioned it? No, never, Mr. Temple. What about the address, Hotel Steinbock, Zermatt? I never heard of Hotel Steinbock or Mr. Lawrence or, or even Zermatt, for that matter. Where is Zermatt, anyway? It's a holiday resort in Switzerland. Oh, I've never been to Switzerland. Neither had Bob, so far as I know. Uh, Mr. Temple, what does he mean, the, the little things that later become so important? Oh, it's um, a reference to a conversation we had the first time we met. Ah, here's Charlie with the coffee. Let me pour you a cup, Mary. Oh, thank you. Uh, excuse me, sir. Sir Graham Forbes is here. He's oh. in the study. All right, Charlie. Uh, excuse me, Mary, I won't be a moment. Oh, yes, of course. Good morning, Sir Graham. Uh, good morning, Temple. Any news? No, I'm afraid not. Oh. Well, I, I gather you saw Dexter? Yes, I saw him. What do you make of him? Oh, he's pleasant enough. A little irresponsible, perhaps. Irresponsible? I shouldn't have said that. Sir Graham, he didn't go to that concert at the Festival Hall. What do you mean he didn't go? Of course he did. He took Sylvia Ross. No, they changed their minds and went to a dance hall. A dance hall? I can't believe that, Temple. Dexter told me himself. In any case, I've checked the story. Then why in heaven's name didn't he tell us that in the first place? Because he didn't really consider it important. He didn't consider it important? No, he told the truth about going to the restaurant and taking Sylvia home in a taxi. So far as he was concerned, that's all that mattered. If he lied about the concert, how do we know that he didn't lie about everything else? Didn't the waiter and the taxi driver confirm his story? Yes, but nevertheless, he should have told us about the dance hall. Oh, I agree. Unfortunately, he didn't. Steve and I went to the dance hall last night. Oh? But before I tell you about that, there's something I want to ask you. Well? Do you remember the Burford case? Burford? Hmm. Yes, I think so. He was an accountant and was arrested for housebreaking. He swore he was innocent, but three people identified him. Yes, including me. He got four years. Hmm. Well? What happened to him, Sir Graham? I'm afraid I don't know. Could you find out? You mean now? If you could, Sir Graham. Mm, all right, Temple. I'll get through to Vosper. Good. 
Do you think Burford's got anything to do with the disappearance of Sylvia Ross? I don't know. But I'd like to know where he is and what he's doing. All right, Temple. I'll do what I can. Extension 17, please. Vosper, this is Forbes. Vosper, listen. You remember Max Burford? Yes, that's the man. What's he doing now, do you know? I see. Well, you think you could get me more details? No, I'm with Temple. Yes? All right, Vosper, do that and ring me back, will you? He's making inquiries and ringing back. Thank you, Sir Graham. Why are you so interested in Burford? Well, just over a fortnight ago, Steve and I went to Downborough. It's a little mm -hmm. fishing village on the east coast. Yes, I know it. Well, while we were there, we went out in a boat with one of the local fishermen, a young fellow called Bob Gardner. It was quite a pleasant trip until someone decided to use the boat for target practice. Gardner was hit. Fortunately, it wasn't serious. However, a week later, Gardner had an accident and was killed. Did anyone witness the accident? Yes, one of the locals, an old boy called Salty West. Were you able to talk to him? No, I didn't, but I gather from what he told Inspector Ivor that there was no doubt about it being an accident. Hmm. Go on, Temple. Well, as you know, when we arrived in town, you told us about the disappearance of Sylvia Ross. And at your suggestion, I questioned Brian Dexter, who's a friend of Sylvia's. Yes. He told me that they'd been to a dance hall and that Sylvia had sent a note to Johnny Tico. Who on earth's Johnny Tico? He's the dance band leader. Oh, I see, yes. I questioned Tico about the note and he confirmed what Dexter had told me, that it was simply a request to play a certain dance tune. Uh -huh. Later, when Steve and I were leaving the hall, Tico's wife, Linda, told me that she'd seen the note and that it contained a name and address. Clive Lawrence, Hotel Steinbach, Zermatt. Well? Well, this morning, Mary Gardner, Bob Gardner's sister, arrived with this letter. She found it in a deed box after her mother was killed. It's addressed to me. Read it, Sir Graham. Thank you. But this letter mentions the same name, Clive Lawrence, and the same address. Yes. I see. In other words, the death of Bob Gardner, in some way or other, might be connected with the disappearance of Sylvia Ross. It looks very much like it. Hmm. But how does Max Burford fit into all this? I'm not sure that he does, but while we were staying at Downborough, Steve suddenly had the feeling that she's being watched. Mm -hmm. She gave me a description of the man. And it reminded you of Max Burford, Yes, eh? it did, excuse me. Hello? Yes? Oh, hold on, will you? It's Vosper. Thank you. Hello, Vosper. Yes? Yes, I see. You're sure about that? Yes, all right, Vosper. Thank you for ringing. Apparently, Max Burford's living at Bray, near Maidenhead, and running a boat-building firm called Harper Brothers. Thank you, Sir Graham. Clive Lawrence, Hotel Steinbach. You know, Temple, I think MI5 ought to see this letter. All right, Sir Graham. I'll let you have it back sometime tomorrow. Well, hello, Steve. Where's Mary Gardner? She's just left. But her appointment wasn't until 11 o'clock. Yes, I know. The poor dear was terrified she'd be late. Oh. I've never seen anyone so nervous. She made me so jumpy that I've spilled a cup of coffee all over. Oh, dear. I had to lend her a coat. She's bringing it back at four o'clock. Oh, good. I wanted to see her again. Uh, Steve? Yes, dear? You remember that man you saw down, brother, when he came into the shop? Yes. Do you think you'd recognize him again? Yes, I think so. Aren't you sure? I'm pretty sure, yes. Well, come on, darling, we're going out. Going out? Where? To Maidenhead. Why Maidenhead, for goodness sake? I want you to take a look at a man called Max Burford. When did you last see this man, Burford? About eight years ago. He was arrested for housebreaking and I was a witness. And you think it was Burford that I saw at Downborough? Well, your description certainly reminded me of him. 
ever said anything about Burper to Inspector Ivor. Inspector Ivor irritated me. Oh. Besides, it's just a hunch, Steve. I'm not really sure. Well, supposing you're right, what are you going to do? If I'm right, I want to know what he was doing in Downgrand. I want to know if he was a friend of Bob Gardner's. But it was me he was interested in, Paul, not Bob Gardner. What sort of a man is Burford? Well, the first time I met him, I quite liked him. He seemed intelligent and amusing. Later, he changed and became rather aggressive. When the case was over, he completely lost control of himself and went for me. I don't know why. I was just a witness. What do you mean he went for you? You mean he threatened you? Yes. And you think that's why he went to Downborough? Darling, I don't know why he went to Downborough. Always assuming he did. Eight years is a long time to nurse a grievance. Surely by it's now... A, here we are, Steve. Shush. Uh, pull in on the right, will you? That's it. Harper Brothers. Is that the place? Yes. It's quite a nice-looking building. Yes. If he owns this, he's done very well for himself. Oh, is that the river at the bottom of the lane? Yes. Stay here, Steve. I shan't be long. But I thought you wanted me to see him. Yes, but darling... Well, if I don't see him, I shan't be able to tell you yes, whether Yes, I he... know, Steve, I know. But just wait in the car. I shan't be long. Excuse me. I'm looking for Mr. Burford. You'll find him in the drawing office, sir. Uh, where is that? Through the paint shop, first door on your left. Mind your coat as you go through, sir. Thank you. I'll be with you in just a minute. Thanks. All right, Bert. Change the gauge and have a word with Morgan about the veneer. I don't stand any nonsense. You know Morgan. Right, Bert. I'll leave it with you. Sorry about that. Now, what can I do for you? I hope you can give me some information. Information? What kind of... I've seen you before somewhere. Yes, we met about eight years ago. Eight years? Your temple. Didn't you recognize me, Burford? No. No, my eyesight's pretty bad these days. What is it? What do you want? I told you, I want some information. Look, Temple, if you come down here to poke your nose into my affairs, I can tell you I'm right now... I'm not interested in you or your affairs, Burford, providing, of course, you're not interested in me or mine. What do you mean by that? Well, eight years ago, you threatened to kill me. Look, eight years ago, I was a fool. I made a mistake and I paid for it, didn't I? So far as I'm concerned, that's dead and buried. Mm, I hope you mean that. Why shouldn't I mean it? Look, Temple, I've made no bones about the past. There isn't a man in this workshop who doesn't know who I am and what I am. I've built up a first-class business during the past three years, and I've built it up by working hard and being strictly honest. Now, I don't know why you came here this morning, but if you're out to make trouble for me, I, I warn you... I'm not that... out to make trouble for anyone. Now, take the chip off your shoulder, Burford, and relax. Now, to start with, I went into that witness box eight years ago because I'd no alternative. There was nothing personal about it. I've told you I'm no longer interested in what happened eight years ago. All right, all right. Tell me what happened a week ago. A week ago? Yes, in Downborough. Downborough? Yes. I've never been to Downborough. You were there a week ago. Unless I'm mistaken, my wife saw you there. You are mistaken, Temple. And so's your wife. All right, Burford. You don't believe me, do you? It's a pity you didn't bring your wife down here. We could have had another identity parade. My wife's outside in the car. All right. Let's have a word with Mrs. Temple. 
Steve, I want you to meet Mr. Burford. Good morning, Mrs. Temple. Good morning. Steve, is Mr. Burford the man you saw at Danborough? Well, am I, Mrs. Temple? No. You sure? Yes, I'm quite sure, Paul. Thank you, Mrs. Temple. Burford, I'm sorry. There's nothing to be sorry about. Mistakes happen. Is there anything else, Temple? No. Well, if you'll excuse me, I've got rather a busy morning. Goodbye, Mrs. Temple. Goodbye. Oh, Burford. Yes? Wait a minute. What is it? Look, don't get any silly ideas. About this morning, I mean. I was simply making a routine inquiry and... Well, what I'm trying to say is, forget this morning. Don't let it worry you. I won't. I have other worries, Temple. Goodbye. Goodbye, Burford. Good luck. Thank you. Well, I don't think much of your hunches. What do you mean you don't think much of them? <laughs> move over, Steve. I'll drive. No, it's all right. I'll drive. Steve, move over. Now, now, now. It's no good being irritable. I'm not irritable. I'm not the least irritable. Get in. And I will drive. Oh, all right. Well, where do we go from here? Well, we'd better have some lunch. There's a hotel just round the corner. Yes, all right. Steve, Steve, you're sure it wasn't Burford you saw at Danborough? I'm positive, darling. He looked very much like Burford. He had the same rather peculiar way of looking at you and the same accent, but it wasn't Burford. You're sure? Yes, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> Nothing. Steve, what are you laughing at? I was just thinking. I rather enjoyed this morning. It isn't often you make mistakes, is it, dear? Lunch. <laughs> I'm afraid this is the only table we've got, sir. We're very crowded today. Oh, dear. This chair isn't very comfortable. Oh, would you like to sit here, Steve? There's a superb view of the kitchen. <laughs> Oh, there's someone waving to you. Well, probably the chef. No, darling. I mean, the young man standing over there. Hmm? Oh, he's coming over. Hello. Oh. This is a surprise. Oh, are you lunching here? Eventually. <laughs> oh, I beg your pardon. I don't think you know my wife, Brian Dexter. Do uh, how do you do? How do you do? Oh, what are you doing in this part of the world, Dexter? Oh, I'm frequently down here. Really? Yes, I'm interested in a publishing firm at Henley. I see. I uh, suppose there isn't any news. About Sylvia, I mean. No, I'm afraid not. Inspector Vosper phoned me this morning. My word, he was angry. I suppose you told him about the dance hall. I told Sir Graham. I had to. Yes, of course. You know, I didn't take this thing very seriously at first. It seemed to me that Sylvia had simply tootled off somewhere and was probably staying with some aunt or other. And now, I'm not so sure. Why aren't you so sure, Mr. Dexter? Well, the police are making such a fuss. They've questioned me twice, and this morning I heard they'd been making inquiries about me from a chap I was up at Oxford with. Why, I mean, they don't go to those lengths unless they're pretty worried. They're pretty worried, Dexter. Well, uh, let's hope there's some news fairly soon. Goodbye, Mrs. Temple. Goodbye. Oh, Dexter. Yes? When I saw you last night, I think you told me that you first met Sylvia in Switzerland. Uh, that's right, at the Winter Sports. Where were you staying? St. Moritz? Oh, no, that's not my cup of tea at all. I was at Zermatt. And Sir Carlton and Lady Ross were at the same hotel? Uh, that's right. I, I told you, that's how I met Sylvia. <laughs> it was funny, really. I never dreamt her father was the head of MI5. One night I made a complete ass of myself. 
talked about our incompetent secret service. Mm. The old boy must have been highly amused. Yes, indeed. What was the name of the hotel? Do you remember? Uh, where we were staying, you mean? Mm. Yes, it was the Steinbock. Uh, why do you ask? I wondered, that's all. Oh. Well, goodbye, Mrs. Temple. I hope we shall meet again. I hope so, too. Goodbye, Dexter. Goodbye. Ah, there's an extraordinary coincidence. What is? Well, the fact that he met Sylvia Ross at Cermatt and they were both staying at the Steinbock. Yes. It's also quite a coincidence that we should find Dexter within half a mile of Max Burford. Yes. Steve, I know I've asked you this before. You're quite sure about Burford, aren't you? I'm quite sure, Paul. He wasn't the man I saw at Downborough. The man looked like him. He's very much like him, but it wasn't Burford. All right, Steve. In future, leave the hunches to me, dear. Well, some of your hunches aren't so hot. <laughs> Why, well, I remember one... Excuse me, sir. Is that your car outside? YEV 916? Yes. Oh, I wonder if you'd mind moving it, sir. The gentleman you were talking to won't be able to get his car out. He's hemmed in. Yes. It's all right, Paul. I'll do it. I've got the key. You order the lunch. Uh, nothing to start with for me, dear. Would you like the wine list, sir? I should prefer the menu. Oh, I didn't realise it was your car, Mrs. Temple. I'm sorry. I'm afraid I'm always doing this sort of thing. Well, if you unlock it, we can release the brake and I can push it back. I beg your pardon? I said, if you unlock it, we can release the brake and push it back. Oh, no, no, it, it's quite all right. I'd better move it in case someone else wants to park here. Oh, all right. I'll move forward a bit. Thank you. Why, Timothy, Steve, I thought you were never coming. I'm sorry. It took rather longer than I thought. I've ordered you the plat du jour. Uh, yes, all right, Paul. Well, don't you want to know what it is? Hmm? I said, don't you want to know what the plat du jour is? Steve, Steve is anything wrong? No, darling, why? You look miles away. Did Dexter say anything to you? No, no, he just moved his car. What do you make of him? Who? Dexter, Steve, Dexter. Oh, oh, he's quite a pleasant young man. What did you say you'd order? The plat du jour, dear. That's French for steak and kidney pie, sir. Oh, <laughs> no. Well, thank you very much. Oh. Oh. Hello. I, I didn't expect you back this early, sir. We rang the bell, Charlie. Uh, did you, sir? Yes. <laughs> Any messages, Charlie? Uh, yes, uh, a Miss Gardner telephoned about ten minutes ago. She said she wouldn't be able to see you this afternoon, Mrs Temple, because she's catching an early train. An early train? Is that all she said? Yes. All right, Charlie. There's nothing else? No letters, no telegrams or anything? No. Oh. Would you like some tea, Mrs Temple? Yes. Yes, I think we would. We'll have it in the drawing room. Are you expecting a telegram, Steve? Uh, me? Yes, you. No. No, of course not. You know, it's a curious thing, but all the way back from Maidenhead, you've acted like What's someone... What's the front door bell? Well, if it was, Charlie can answer it. It's the front door, Charlie. Now, what is this? What's come over you, Steve? What do you mean, dear? You know perfectly well what I mean. All the way back from Maidenhead, you behaved now, as... Now, Paul, you are sulking. You've been sulking the whole afternoon. I haven't been doing anything of the sort. You're annoyed because you made a mistake about Burford. It's a perfectly natural mistake, Look, Steve, darling. I am not annoyed because I made a mistake about... <clears throat> What is it, Charlie? Oh, excuse me, sir. There's a telegram for you. Oh, I'll take it, Charlie. It's all right, Steve. It's for me. I'll take it. Hmm, there's no reply, Charlie. Aye, right, thank you, sir. May I 
See it? What on earth does this mean? I don't know, darling. I haven't seen it. It's from Inspector Ivor at Downbury. He says, thanks for telegram... I didn't send him a telegram. Go on, finish it. Thanks for telegram. Stop. Salty West left here two days ago. Stop. Regards, Ivor. Then I was right. I knew jolly well I was right. Steve, what is this? Paul, listen. You know when I moved the car so that Dexter could get out of the car park? Yes, yes. Well, there was a car next to his, a huge Rolls, and sitting in the front seat by himself was a spruce, clean-shaven, smartly dressed little man. Well? Well, I was under the impression that I'd seen him before somewhere. So what? While Dexter had his back turned, the little man caught me looking at him, and he winked. He winked? Yes. <laughs> no, no, Paul, I'm not joking, I'm serious. Do you know who it was? No. It was Salty West. Salty West? Yes. Now, Steve, now I ask you, what would Salty West be doing sitting in a Rolls Royce at Maiden? There you are. You see, I knew you wouldn't believe me. That's why I sent Inspector Ivor the telegram. What did you put in the telegram? I simply said, is Salty West still in Downborough, Paul Temple? When did you see Salty West? Well, I saw him several times while we were there. He was nearly always down at the quay. Did you ever speak to him? Yes, we always said good morning to each other. I very nearly arranged for us to go out with him instead of Bob Gordon. But, Steve, from what you've said, the man you saw, the man in the rolls, looked very different from Salty. Well, of course he did, but it was Salty West. You're sure? I'm absolutely sure. Hmm. Well, it's a pity you didn't tell me about this at the time, Steve. And what would you have said? I shouldn't have said anything, but I'd have made a note of the car number. Well, I made a note of it. It was 184JMY. Oh. Yeah, I'm not quite such a fool as I look. Mm. Oh, Paul, don't you believe me? Don't forget, Salty was with Bob Gardner when the accident happened, if it was an accident. Yes, I know. I haven't forgotten that. Salty West left here two days ago. What are you thinking? I was just wondering why he winked. Paul. Paul. Uh, telephone. Uh, the telephone. Oh, Hello. Hmm? What? You're speaking. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Speak louder. Yeah, that's better. Who is it? Yes, I'm listening. Tonight? Well, isn't it rather late? Well, you may not think so, but I do. Uh, can't you tell me over the phone? Oh, I see. All right, Tico, give me the address. I've got a pencil. Yes. What? 16 Barrington Mews. Right. Yes, I know it. It's in Kensington. All right, Tico, in about an hour. That was Johnny Tico. He wants to see me. Tonight? Yes. But why on earth tonight? He says it's urgent. Apparently it's about Sylvia Ross. But it, it's a quarter past two. Oh, that doesn't mean anything to characters like Johnny Tico. I doubt whether he ever gets to bed much before four. Paul, do you think he's found out? Found out? Well, what about? About his wife. Do you think he knows that she spoke to us last night? Hmm, it's possible. What did he say, exactly? He simply said, I've got to see you, Mr Temple. I want to talk to you about Sylvia Ross. Well, why don't you ring Sir Graham? Oh, it's very late, Steve. Oh, please, I... go on, darling. Oh, all right. Oh, hello, Mills. I didn't expect to find you up. Oh, I came down to answer the telephone, Sir Graham. May I take your coat? Yes, thank you. I trust it was a pleasant dinner, sir. I'm afraid it wasn't, Mills. The dinner was too short and the speeches too long. Oh, dear, sir. Not an ideal combination. Well, since you are up, you can mix me a nightcap. Oh, what would you like, sir? Whiskey and soda? Yes, yes, thank you. Who was it on the telephone? Oh, Mr Temple, sir. 
He asked me to tell you that he'd just received a call from Johnny Tico. From Johnny Tico? Yes, I understand. It was an urgent call, sir. He's meeting him at 16 Barrington Mews immediately. What, at this time of the morning? Mr Temple particularly asked me to tell you that, sir. Barrington Mews? That's in Kensington? That's right, sir. Uh, curiously enough, I, I worked in Barrington Mews for four years, Lady Berkshire's. Number 10. I don't remember a number 16, sir. You don't? No, sir. Never mind that drink, Mills. Get my coat. Yes, this is Barrington Mews. It's very dark. It's a good job you brought the torch. Oh, I don't know why you came, Steve. You'd be far better off in bed. I've missed the opportunity of meeting Mr. Tico. I'll bet he's got the most ravishing dressing gown. <laughs> yes, with pictures of himself all over it. Did you leave a message for Sir Graham? Yes, they said they were expecting him back any moment. I say, that's funny. This house is number three. Let's see what's on the other side. This is number nine. And that's eight on the other side. There isn't a 16. Oh, it's always the same. In a muse, you can never find the number you want. You could probably find 16 sandwiched between number four and number... Who's that? It's Mary Gardner. Oh, you've put the torch out. She can't see us. Quickly, Steve. I think she's over there. Mr. Temple. Mr. Temple. There she is. Paul, is she badly hurt? Steve, wait here. Stay with her. There's a phone box on the corner. I'm going to ring for an ambulance. Paul. What is it? She's wearing my coat. They thought it was me. That was the second episode of the Francis Durbridge serial, Paul Temple and the Lawrence Affair with Peter Cook as Paul Temple and Marjorie Westbury as Steve. Listen to the next episode of Martin C. Webster's production of Paul Temple and the Lawrence Affair, The Handbag.